election, the swearing in, the year-end interviews, well, they're all history now. But now, the very real challenges of the year ahead for all the political parties and how to deal with them. Good thing we have the insiders to help us with that. Jamie, Kathleen and David are all here in studio tonight. Let me first start with this whole sense of the political honeymoon. Are they still in one, Kathleen? Yes, very much so. They're still in one. In fact, I put money that, uh, you know, petals won't start to fall off the liberal rose well into summer. I think that they're going to ride this honeymoon for quite a long time. I think um, it's not that surprising, though, that they're enjoying this 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 period. Um, Chrétien did as well when he was first elected in 1993, um, despite actually having a miserable economy, really bad an unemployment rate and, uh, and the threat of separation. He actually had a really quite long uh, uh, honeymoon period, and that was because he wasn't Mulroney um, at the time. And so Trudeau, in many ways, has the same playbook, right? He's not Harper. In fact, he's not Harper, and he's plus, 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 plus. He's, he's uh, you know, added to that by his genuine and authentic kind of interaction that he's having with Canadians. Agree with all that, Jim? Yeah, completely. You know, Peter, we often say in politics that your successor is your legacy. And I think in many ways, uh, Justin Trudeau is the legacy of Stephen Harper. People were looking for something different. They got it. And as well, people, we have research that backs this up, as do others. And people said that they were really voting for a change in approach, a change in tone, a change in the way the job was done, as opposed to voting for specific policies, save and except for the income, the middle class income tax cut and uh, so on. And so a consequence of which I think it would be easier for him to sustain that, uh, or the government to sustain that honeymoon. These guys are being awfully generous to your guys. David. Well, <clears throat> they are, um, but there is a honeymoon going on, and uh, they appear to be more popular today than they were the day that they were elected, and uh, there seems to be, according to recent public polls, a consensus emerging around, uh, uh, around the fact that uh, Justin Trudeau should be the Prime Minister, so that's uh, much more support for that role than he ever had before. She's just grinning at me. I'm just <laughs> laying this out. But they, so, that say, so that forever. I can say they are no, they, so they're they acknowledging the current reality. So how do they and, end? Well, they, they end uh, really uh, one of, I think, two ways. Either they get chipped away at over time by a series of things that are discordant, uh, either ethical lapses in the part of the government or uh, policy flip-flops, backtracks uh, on the part of the government. So uh, they can either be chipped away at over time or... The other thing is, it's really fundamentally about the economy. And this government's honeymoon and popularity will last as long as... A big story of this election campaign was the economy and dissatisfaction with the way the economy was performing. The Liberals said that they had a plan to get it moving, and they will be held to that. And if the economy doesn't get going, they'll be in trouble. I just jump in and say it is really interesting. A question to be asked is, is this a honeymoon um, a result of Justin Trudeau himself? Well, let, me or is it... let me ask the question okay. then. Is okay. this honeymoon... <laughs> As a result of Justin Trudeau himself, or or is it the brand, the Liberal Party brand? Right. So, and I, I mean, it's interesting because you can actually hear the truck backing up, right? Beep, beep, beep over their promises. You know, uh, whether it's refugees, whether it's um, the finance minister on some of the promises re um, on on the deficit and the numbers there, but it's not impacting them. So why is that? I mean, Justin Trudeau is proving incredibly popular. So I guess a question I would pose is like, is the brand, the Liberal brand, still as no, popular it's Trudeau. It's as Trudeau? No, I think it is Trudeau. It's, yeah. not, it's not the brand. It's, yeah. it's, it's Trudeau. And first of all, I mean, he's proving to be a very adroit 
political figure. Um, uh, and uh, so he's handling himself very well. He's consistently putting himself in positions where he looks terrific. So he's got that side of things down. But I think more fundamentally, and why there's, I think, quite a different sense uh, about this win than there has been after some other victories, um, ch changes of government. Um, and that is that I think this was a generational change in a lot of respects. And even though Mr. Harper wasn't an old man, it was kind of an old government. And this was not just a change of government, but I think people feel that a lot of things, and it was symbolized by that because it's 2015 comment, um, that we have a government that has changed uh, eras. And I think that there's a, a, a sort of an excitement about that in the country. All right. Well, let's, let's move it to, you know, the challenges that are faced by the three parties overall. And, Jamie, you start us. The challenges that the conservatives face as they move into... Um, let's say, the non-honeymoon period, which will start at some point, one assumes, in the next year. Right. So the Conservatives have two separate challenges, but they're related. The first one is the role as the opposition. How are they going to oppose this government in a way that is takes uh, uh, notice of the election results? So Canadians were very clear on the election results. They wanted a different tone. They wanted a different approach. And so how are they going to still, in an adversarial Westminster system, deliver on their role in the House and yet not do it in a way where Canadians said, did you not get the memo? Did you not say here that we were tired of this nonsense? So that's job one. And I think Ron Ambrose is off to a good start in the way that she's trying to navigate that uh, that particular challenge. The second thing, they've got to pick a new leader. And as we know... Which helps with well, the first part. Yes, but remember, uh, there's a lots of history of lots of parties picking the wrong leader, right? Mm -hmm. It's not easy to get the right the right leader, especially when there is no Dauphin. There is no natural successor to Stephen Harper. So the good news is anyone can run. The bad news is anyone can run. So they're going to have those two challenges to work on. I guess what I was getting at was that whoever the new leader ends up being, it does distance you for, for some part from, sure. the, from the past. NDP. Kathleen, what's the challenge? Well, um, relevancy. Um, they have to stay relevant, um, and uh, and they're going to have to renew their party in many ways. The first challenge up, of course, is the, the leadership review that's going to happen early in April in Edmonton, uh, where Mr. Mulcair will, will face uh, members, and, and they will uh, cast um, opinion on his performance in the election and as leader, um, and that will determine whether... Do you, do you whether... think that's going to be a serious challenge? It could be. I mean, the, those kind of discussions about and debriefs about the election are still happening. There's a big council happening in January in Ottawa, and there are things been happening all across the country. And I think questions will be asked. Um, I, I make no predictions uh, mm -hmm. on what, what will happen in Edmonton, but I think it's something to watch and how Mr. Mulcair handles that and continues to handle his role in the House, uh, you know, and, and, and tries to take advantage of what uh, earned media he can still get as a third a leader. Which he did extremely well with in the past. When he was opposition. But you have yeah. to remember that New Democrats traditionally have been in that place of mm. third, fourth, you know, party. So they are uniquely positioned to kind of make sure to be able to get more attention than they naturally deserve. And so uh, even when uh, Mr. Mulcair was the leader of the official opposition, often New Democrats had to fight for that uh, media attention. And so hopefully they'll continue to do that. All right, David, you kind of gave us a sense of what some of the challenges are for the for the liberals, which mainly are hinged to what's happening with the economy. Right. Is that the main one? Well, I think managing the economy is is job one and it's going to be central to the outcome of the next election for sure. But I, I think 
more broadly, I would say their challenge is this, that they got elected on a very clear articulation of an activist government and a progressive policy agenda, um, which will take them head on into a number of entrenched interests, economic and otherwise, in the country. Um, and uh, the real challenge for the party is going to be to stay true to its convictions in government and to deliver on that agenda and to deliver on it in a way that makes it, makes it obvious that government can work and can do good things and that relying on government isn't, isn't a mistake. But they've taken on a very, very big agenda. They've got a lot of deadlines looming already that are going to start to hold their feet to the fire. Um, and I think there's, you know, we, we've seen governments in the past that have campaigned on a progressive agenda and perhaps not governed on as progressive agenda. I think it will be this government's test to stay true to its platform. Do you want to comment on that, on, uh, on the liberal challenges? Yeah, I think the uh, Liberals actually have, uh, have, have something, uh, some wind in their sails in that, yes, they have a lot of promises, yes, they have a lot of deadlines, but at the end of the day, people really just wanted to change. So there's a lot of wiggle room in, in how they move forward, not in being progressive and governing progressively, I agree with David, but in terms of the timetable, I mean, for example, on the refugee issue, right, they didn't hurt them at all that there was slippage in that from, they weren't held to account in, in a strict uh, you know, black letter kind of way. So I think their biggest problem is whenever you try to be new and different, it's very difficult. People want new and different until it involves being different or new. And then everyone starts screaming. And they're going to have to stay, as David says, true to their pitch. And their pitch was a new tone and a new approach. That's the biggest challenge. And not let it seep away death by a thousand cuts. Right. I mean, they've been very effective and focused in their communications approach to this. We're having lots of value-laden photo op opportunities. I mean, over the holidays, talking to people from the States, they spoke about seeing those photos of Trudeau embracing those Syrian refugees and how that was in contrast to what was happening in their country in regards to Trump. You know, and so I think that that's been, you know, we should give them credit for that and what they've been doing there. But how long can you, you know, live by that sword, the sword of the, the photo op opportunity? I mean... Well, he's managing it pretty well so well, far, well, but it is, is. what I guess, and, that, and that's where I was asking that question about his personal popularity as leader versus the brand, because I think he is giving, been given a lot of leeway on things like the refugee numbers. I mean, let's not forget, a couple months ago in the election, he stood across from Thomas Mulcair and said, 10,000's not enough, right? And 10,000 is not enough. We were going to bring 25. And now they're not even meeting, you know, a couple thousand in terms of their targets. So, but they're given that leeway, and I would say, why? Because Canadians genuinely want to give this government a chance. Sure. They genuinely have had a mood change. They are happy to give him the leeway and to, you know, and to see some success. She's really being generous. Well, no, I think I, I, I mean, listen, I don't agree with all their policies. I right. think that's quite clear. That's not what this panel's about. I disagree with many of the policies of the Liberal Party. That said, I think that Canadians, New Democrats, many New Democrats voted for this for this party, and and that's why it's difficult for parties like the New Democrats to really be hard on the Liberals right now. Otherwise, it just breeds cynicism. I think. You know, Peter, if we had IQ and EQ, emotional uh, intelligence, mm -hmm. there's also PQ, political intelligence, and Justin Trudeau and the Liberals right now have that in spades, and it's paying off for them. All right, we've got to take a quick break. The Insiders will be back just a little bit later with this question. A lot of people seem to think the new government is really different in the way it's performing than all the new governments before it. Well, is it? Welcome back to The Insiders and some final thoughts around this question. How different 
is the new government, really. Jamie, Kathleen, and David are still here. A lot of liberals think this is different kind of government than Canadians have ever witnessed before. Is it? Uh, well, it's, first of all, it's certainly going to be uh, different than the government that it replaces. Um, okay, but that's just one. I right. mean, there's, there's this impression that this is, like, really, really different. Break, broken the mold. Well, I think that they have broken the mold in at least one critically important way. And I think this is going to be the most enduring difference about this government from any previous government. In my 25 years of looking at public opinion research, the most consistent difference I've seen by any demographic uh, uh, assessment is the difference between the way men and women view public policy issues and the importance that they ascribe to different issues and different approaches. And by making the cabinet 50% women and elevating the, uh, that perspective and that point of view to equivalence inside the government is the most important thing that they could have done in ensuring that this government is different than any government that's ever preceded it. All right. Are you buying that, Kathleen? Um, well, no, uh, because th that's been done before. I, I just point out that uh, Rachel Notley, Premier Rachel Notley's actually cabinet is, has a larger proportion of women um, than men. Um, but putting that partisan point aside, um, <laughs> and the, for first, I would say that um, it's different. Um, this government, I wouldn't say breaks the mold. In many ways, I would say it's, uh, there is similarities in past governments and certainly how they're operating. But I think there is a difference that exists in Canadians' minds. They see a prime minister now who's taking selfies, who goes to the subway, uh, who talks to people on the street, and they're enjoying that kind of connection, uh, seeing him trick-or-treating in a Star Wars costume, and I think that there's a connection there, and that is what is different. Um, I don't think we've seen that kind of personal uh, interaction with a Prime Minister in the past in this kind of way. Jamie. So they're going to try to be different, for sure. Mm -hmm. They're off to a good start on that, but it's an open question whether they'll be successful, and I say it for this reason, because the government is only one part of the process. We also have the opposition. We have the bureaucracy, we have the media, mm. we have special interest groups. And if they're the only one that changes and nobody else in the ecosystem around them changes, that change is going to be very hard to sustain. There's a reason that governments tend to behave and operate in a, in a particular way. So they're going to try, and we'll see how all the other players, all the other actors, if you like, begin to take part in that. Any evidence that all those other actors are changing? Well, I think that uh, there's a different... Um, one of the ways in which they're going to be different from the previous government is I think the Harper government came into Ottawa thinking that it was at war with all of the stakeholders around it and all of the other interests in the political system and that all of those things were hostile to its agenda and it needed to fight those things and I think that this government and liberal governments generally come into power seeing those people more as partners and collaborators in the process and less as combatants and I think that mood's already been felt not just in the media but also in stakeholder groups, uh, NGOs, etc. Well, and we'll see a, a good indication of just how successful that is when the budget comes down, because lots of stakeholders, lots of special interests watch that. You see them lining That's up right. uh, in the, just outside the House of Commons when the budget is announced and see how they react. All right. Thank you all. Good discussion, and we'll have more of them uh, throughout this year, of course.